Hi there. I'm creator, educator, and gentleman, Jim Jackson. Welcome to Radio Creative, where we look at ways to expand your natural creativity and tap into it when you want to in your life, work, and art. I like to think of this as a lunch break podcast. You've got enough time to get your food, listen, and be back doing what you need to be doing in under 30 minutes. So, let's get creative. Radio Creative It takes courage to be creative. You guys know what I'm talking about. We all had those early criticisms of our ideas or of our art when we were kids, right? And they hurt. So, we protected ourselves by not sharing, by not coming up with new creative ideas. We learned how to be not creative. Because, let's face it, humans are a social animal. And as a social animal, there are benefits to just going along with the pack, not coming up with wild, unfamiliar ideas. We're rewarded, especially in school, when we do it the way it's always been done. But we're more than social animals. We're also thinking, feeling individuals with a desire to express ourselves, to express our ideas, and to create. So this week, we're talking with author and playwright Marty Chan about how to build up our courage to be more creative. Marty writes books for kids, plays for adults, and tweets for fun. In theater, he's best known for his cross-cultural hit, Mom, Dad, I'm Living with a White Girl, and his immersive theater thriller, The Bone House. He contributed regular humor pieces to CBC Radio, the Edmonton Journal, and Alberta Venture Magazine. He works and lives in Edmonton with his wife, Michelle, and their cat, Buddy. Marty, welcome. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your story? My story. My story is a series of happy accidents. Uh, It started off working in an interactive uh, theater company. They produced live murder mysteries, the ones that were performed in people's houses and restaurants. I started off as an actor, and then there was an opening for a writer in their writing department. So I I applied, and I, I was lucky enough to land a job. Uh, and uh, the head writer, I think about three months after I got the job, the head writer burnt out and left the company. And so there was an opening for a head writer. And I, I, I was just, uh, I think I was in my second year of university. And I thought, hey, I'm going to university to learn how to write. And now I have this opportunity to actually write for a living. So I dropped out of university, snapped up this job. And for about a year and a half, I had to write a new murder mystery every week. And, and oh, that wow. was sort of, that was where I learned all my uh, discipline for writing. <laughs> uh, and uh, after about a year and a half, I also burnt out and decided that I'd go back, finish my degree, but with a newfound love for writing for theater. And um, I completed the degree, uh, sort of ventured out and tried to get my plays produced. Uh, wound up getting no acceptance letters from anybody, and I just started producing my own plays at the Edmonton Fringe Festival, uh, and uh, it it just sort of blossomed from there into television writing, radio writing, and now uh, writing kids fiction. Fantastic! All right, so I I ask this question of everybody, but how do you personally define creativity? What makes someone creative? Oh, I think what makes somebody creative is is the courage to do what no one else is doing. 
and oftentimes, if you have the courage to launch into something that no one else has thought of, uh, it's a scary place to be because uh, you don't have a template, you don't have a, a role model to pursue. You're just uh, sort of walking down this path. It's <laughs> covered in brambles and and uh, there's probably like pits and snakes all around that can uh, snap at you at any point. But if you're willing to navigate that uncharted territory, uh, you come out the other end with something that people probably go, hey, I've never thought of doing something like that. And so uh, for me, that's what creativity is all about, going to places where no one else is, has done or is willing to go. Nice. I like that. I love that definition. Yeah, it, it does take courage, doesn't it? Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the bone house then and relate it to to that courage that it take, took to do something that no one else had done, because that, that was a fully immersive experience for the audience, wasn't it? The bone house was a complete departure. I always said it was a, a left-hand turn into the darkness. Um, basically, the premise of the play is an audience comes into what they believe is a lecture about a hunt for a serial killer. And as the lecture goes on, the audience starts to get the strange feeling that the person who's presenting the lecture is actually not a hunter of serial killers, but he's the serial killer himself. And he's brought everybody together in this one room to brag about what he's done. At the end of the presentation, uh, the lights go out and the real killer makes his presence known. And he proceeds to gut open the hunter in the dark. So the lights are completely out. Uh, and so the immersive end of the experience for the audience is uh, we get to grab them in the dark, uh, throw <laughs> fake blood at them, uh, basically terrify them for about five minutes. Uh, and I remember um, writing that play and thinking, how on earth is the audience going to uh, take this play? Uh, so, so to me, the bone house really sums up that, that notion of creativity of, of jumping into something that you're not familiar with and embracing it, even though, you know, that people may not, uh, truly appreciate it. And, and it's one of those sort of challenges for any writer, uh, our natural instinct is to try to be part of the pack. And so if you see something that's trending as a, as a genre, uh, you want to follow that pack. Uh, but really, to be truly creative, you have to go, okay, I'm going to walk away from that pack and try something that nobody else has seen. And it may work and it may not work. But the thing is, you have to try going down that path. Right. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So take us into your mind as you were writing that. Were there any times where you had to, to, to give yourself permission to go forward with it? Do you, did you have that voice in the back of your head that I think a lot of creatives have? I certainly do. It's like, no, 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 no. Just, I, what, if, what, if, what if people don't like this? Stop. Just stop writing now. That, that voice is always <laughs> around. Uh, sometimes it whispers and sometimes it shouts. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think one of the things that you have to learn as a writer is to, to turn the mute on uh, whenever that voice tries to speak up, because the minute you start listening to that voice and um, second guessing yourself, it's it's almost like as writers, um, in, in a lot of ways, we're similar to actors. When we're creating, we have to be in the moment, just like an actor has to be in the moment to believe their performance, right? They, the, an actor has learned all the lines in the script, but if they play the last scene of the play at in the middle of the play, there, there's no uh, spontaneity, there's no uh, discovery. So they actually have to force themselves to be in the moment of the play mm -hmm. in the same ways that a writer has to be in the moment of their, their act of creation. And 
sometimes we look back at the past, like past successes or past failures. And sometimes we look forward to the future to what are the readers or what are the audiences going to think about this? The minute you start looking in the past or in the future, then you're no longer creating. Now you're worried about what's going to happen or you're trying to relive the, the, the past glories that you have. So you actually have to force yourself to be in the moment of what you're writing and say, okay, I'm creating this and I'm not worried about how anybody's going to take this. I'm writing this for myself and I'm exploring the characters and I'm exploring the story. Sure, definitely. So then tell us about your creative process. Do you have a ritual? Do you have a certain time where you, you tend to create? Or do the ideas just come whenever and you have got to run to a notepad or a keyboard or something and get them down? When I, when I was younger, I think I would let the muse take me whenever. And then I think, I think she was cheating on me because she never seemed to show up <laughs> when I needed her the most. Uh, so uh, I, I, I have learned a lot of discipline as a writer. Um, I'm not creative on a schedule, but I do know that when I sit down to write, um, I can't really uh, just wait around for inspiration to strike me. Uh, and part of that was the training with that interactive murder mystery company where I had to write a new script every week. Uh, and I'm not saying it becomes like factory work or anything like that, but there are moments where you just sit down and you go, okay, uh, if I'm not feeling creative right now, I've got to find a way to, to be creative. I'm, so some of the things I do is like, if I'm not thrilled with the story, then I'm going to revisit the story. Or if I'm not feeling like pushing a plot point, let me explore the characters. There, there are so many different ways into writing a story um, that you have to be flexible enough that if one approach isn't working, you've got to try the other ones. It's, it's almost like, um, uh, let's say the story is a locked door and all your different approaches are different keys that you're trying in the lock. And you just keep trying those keys until one opens the door to the story that you're trying to write. And, and you've had those moments, right, where, where maybe you're under the weather and you're just like, oh, I just rather like curl up in bed and, and just watch Netflix. Um, those are the moments that, are, that really test a writer. And uh, if you're able to write when you're not feeling well or when you're not feeling creative, uh, that's a true sign that, that you've sort of crossed that barrier or cross the Rubicon to, to be that writer that, that can actually be creative on demand. Nice. Yes. I love your key analogy there because, and, and this isn't even just for someone who, uh, who's a writer, right? Even someone who needs to be creative at work or in their life or something. If you stop after the first key doesn't work, you don't know what, what was behind that door. If you just kept trying, it might've been the next key that got you through. I love that. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about uh, uh, like the muse loves a working stiff. If you show up to do your work, then then the muse will come and uh, and bring inspiration with it. Right. Uh, so what about obstacles being creative then? Because we talked about you just said, like, uh, if you're not feeling well in that. But what about when when you're actually feeling blocked? What are your what are your personal obstacles from being creative and how do you overcome them? Uh, my personal obstacle is. is... <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, and and probably 99% of the the listeners who are writers or creatives are going to be nodding their heads. But uh, procrastination, procrastination <laughs> is my greatest personal obstacle, especially when I start a project. When you you know you're starting with the blank screen, sitting down and going, okay, now I've got to fill this screen up with ideas, stories, and characters. And then, you know, thanks to technology, you can easily slide over that Word document, pull up a 
Chrome or Safari and and surf the internet. <laughs> I've spent all, many all hours. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, all, all in the name of research, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, all research. research. Yeah, of course, I need to see those ten videos about cute cats. That, <laughs> that that's really important for my steampunk fantasy novel. <laughs> Uh, so I, I find that procrastination is probably one of the, the, the di- most difficult things that, that I have to get over. And, and part of it is um, a reluctance to, to approach the material. I mean, we talked earlier about that voice of doubt. Uh, that, that's probably when the voice is the loudest is when you're just starting a project because there are so many options that you have, so many decisions that you have to make that it's easy to get overwhelmed and listen to the one voice who's whispering in your ear. And that's the voice that says, do you really want to do this? When I'm feeling stuck in terms of, of, of procrastinating too much, I'll set my timer for just a really short amount of time. I'll set it for like three minutes. I go three minutes. All I have to do is just get some words down on the screen. And then at the end of the three minutes, I can go watch whatever YouTube video I want for a couple of minutes. Then I come back, I set the timer for a little longer, a little longer, and I just keep doing that through the course of a week. And that sort of gets me over that hump. And, and you know, it's one of those things that uh, when you realize that writing is, is very much that first draft, you're trying to push a boulder up the hill. If you get it up halfway, then then you know that you can do it. You just have to do it again, right? So So... I sometimes look at like a, a word count goal and say, okay, so if I have to write a novel that's 50,000 words, all I have to do is get to 25,000 words. And if I get to 25,000 words, then I can do it again because I've already proven that I've, I've done it once. With the first draft, I always think all I have to do is get the ideas down and the characters and a rough idea of the plot. After that, I can start playing. Uh, and that helps shut up the, the voice of doubt that's always whispering in my ear is to know that the first draft nobody needs to see other than me. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's uh, that's what gets a lot of people, specifically with with the the creative act of writing, that uh, it has to be perfect right now. I think we've all had that experience of uh, you know being told, oh, that's not very good with our with our writing or any kind of creative act, right? So. I think there's an idea out there that uh, there are some people who are creative and some aren't and, you know, never the twain. You, you, you can't cross that line. If you're not a non-creative person, you can never become creative. But it sounds like like um, from your experience, the people have to learn to be not creative. So do you think that's something that can be unlearned as well then? Yeah, I think it'd be, it can be unlearned, uh, but. It, it takes commitment on the, on the part of the person who wants to be creative. And I think their biggest hurdle is their own fear, right? I, I think mm-hmm. at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about, uh, about fear and, and, and sort of someone who's creative is somebody who's uh, courageous enough to, to venture into places where they feel uncomfortable. And for some people, they're, they're perfectly fine with going into a situation where they're not feeling comfortable, where they don't know what's going on. And there are some people who are petrified of that. Uh, now, I, I'm going to speak a little bit from, from my sort of cultural background. I grew up as the only Chinese kid in a French-Canadian town. So mm. I was always considered an outsider. So I was very used to the idea of not fitting in. So the fear of doing something that nobody appreciated, um, I'd already experienced that as a kid. So so a lot of the fear that I had was was taken away because I'd already sort of experienced rejection, experienced that that feeling of not fitting in or or being weird. And and once I sort of lived in that world, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm still alive, I'm still standing. And, <laughs> 
just a little bit of therapy helps. Um, but, <laughs> but ultimately it was one of those things where the more accustomed you are to going into situations where, uh, you may feel like a fish out of a water or feel uncomfortable in your own skin. The more you do that, the more, um, the, the more calluses you build or the, the more, the, the thicker your skin gets so that you're willing to go into those situations willingly and just explore because, you know, if you fail, you can just start over. Um, but for some people that, that, that fear of failure is, is crippling. So, Absolutely. so it's really hard for them to, to get past that. All right. So if, if courage then is the, the biggest thing to work on to become creative or one of the biggest things, then what tips would you have for people to kind of develop that courage so that they do it once and then maybe the second time the voice at the back of their head isn't as loud and then the next time it's quieter still and then the next time they're just doing it without thinking? Any tips for the people out there? Yeah, I would say definitely talk through the story first. Pitch it to your friends, pitch it to your loved ones, pitch it to your cat, pitch it to your dog. If you've got an idea, just start talking about it in the same way that if, if for example, something happened to you at work, car accident, something like that, you always think about the first time you tell that story to a coworker. I mean, it's rough. It catches the broad strokes, but then when you tell that story the second and third time to other people, your that story gets refined, it gets honed and you know where to emphasize things. And I feel like if you can talk through your idea as many times as possible, it builds your own self-confidence in the idea, especially if you're telling it to people and they're actually reacting to it, right? And, and you know, you keep your circle small in terms of who you're pitching the idea to. You, you want to pitch it to people who are naturally going to smile and nod and laugh at all the right places. So that would be your family members. Uh, and uh, once you've got that confidence, then you can sort of go in and say, you know what, I think I can take this one step further. And then you sit down and you commit it to writing. Now, when you're writing, you know that your first draft's not going to be your last draft. So just set for yourself a goal and say, all I want to do is get all the ideas down in, you know, in, in this one sitting or in three sittings. Uh, and then I can come back and revise. Um, for, for me, when I'm thinking about revision, uh, when I come back to a story, I think about it in the same way I think about my favorite video game, Super Mario. Um, you know, when you beat the final, like when you take on Bowser and you rescue the princess, the game is over for most people. But for me, I like to go back and visit the worlds that I might not have fully explored. And the same with, re with revision, when you go back to the story, it's your chance to play with the creation <laughs> that you supposedly love. And you get to discover new things about the character, new angles to the story. And if you loved what you created, you're always going to enjoy that that chance to revisit the world. Nice. I love that. Yes, the power of revision, revision cannot be overestimated. All right. Well, that is our time. So where can people find you online if they want to get a bigger taste of your work? Uh, they can find me on my website, martychan.com. I also have a YouTube channel, especially for any parents with kids who are creative. Uh, my YouTube channel is Marty Chan Author. And every Tuesday, I actually put up videos with writing tips and story prompts. So the kids are actually challenged every week to take whatever prompt I give them and try to spin out a story. And in addition to that, I give some tips to, to help them become better writers. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much for being on, Marty. That was a great conversation. Well, thank you, Jim. All right. Take care. And as always, I'd like to thank my guest and our sponsor, Prairie Soul Incorporated. 
If you're looking for ways to increase your creativity or the creativity of your team, Prairie Soul can help with a la carte or customized solutions to get your message across or bone up on your communication skills creatively. And of course, please subscribe so you can know when a new episode of Radio Creative is ready to help you expand your natural creativity and tap into it when you want to in your life, work, and art. So until next time, stay cool, stay curious, and stay confident. Take care out there, everybody. Radio Creative.